Again, I was taken by surprise by his confidence and his air of command. That he was more sure of himself in his native tongue was one explanation, but I think it was also the effect of the king's seal. When he held it in his hand, he did not doubt that he spoke for the king and that the king's authority was incontestable. Anyone could see it in his face, and I think his respect for that trivially small carved stone, more than anything else, persuaded the captain. Confidence will get you everywhere. Welcome back, sailors just trying to get paid. I'm Noelle. And I'm Caitlin. And this is the Atolian Archives, your Queen's Thief reread podcast to help you recover from Return of the Thief. It's Sunday, August 15th, and today we are discussing Chapter 11 of Thick as Thieves. We're getting so close to the end here. Yeah. And I, I was wrong where I said 12 chapters. It's 13. 13. It's unlucky. 12 is my favorite number, so that's unfortunate. 13 is my family's lucky number because it's the house number. <laughs> ah, rebels, I see. So this chapter starts with them wandering around trying to call an Uber. And Costas looks awful, but still impresses the captain they find enough to take them with his strength of belief in this tiny little rock. This section has so much just getting by by the skin of their teeth. You know, like, they shouldn't be able to find a ship because uh, the amount of people coming to the city has been drastically reduced by the fear of plague. But at the very, very end, they find this dinky little boat called the Dolphin, and Costas shouldn't be able to convince the captain to let them go on because he looks like shit and he's filthy, and nobody knows what the king's seal looks like, but it works. And then Kamet tries to leave, and then he ends up walking right into into Costas. So everything kind of works out at the last minute. Yeah, and Kamets mentions it's as if the gods had cursed my wandering feet, as though the gods had paved our way, and then also I just remembered uh, that you just said that there's a dolphin on their ship, right? Yes. Dolphins are good luck, aren't they? For sailors? They always thought dolphins were good luck whenever they saw them. That sounds right. I, I, I'm I not up enough on dolphin lore to confirm that. <laughs> I did learn that dolphins have a really big range. Really? Yeah, they are uh, all over the place. The seal that Costas has, I thought this was cool. Um, I hadn't heard of this before. It's a, it's a private seal and not a public seal. So, Kamet narrates, unlike the public seals, only a handful of people would have seen the private seal at each trading house, but it would have been carefully stored for just such occasions as this one. Like, just carrying a seal that, you know, every person in the world has seen. Anyone could fake it. And the actual design of this seal is left a mystery to the reader because Kamet can't see it. Right. Yeah. And the seal has been in... Costas's earring this whole time. <laughs> Saved by fashion. Kamet narrates, well, thank the gods he hadn't swallowed it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very gen thing to have the, the secret seal carved into an earring. And it's also just a good idea. Like, where else would you not lose it except on a piece of jewelry? 
Yeah, and an earring is probably the best kind of jewelry. A necklace can easily get grabbed. Toe ring might have been cooler. <laughs> yeah, maybe it should have been a toe ring. <laughs> Writing a letter to Megan Wayland Turner. <laughs> it sounds more me more easily damaged as a toe ring, wouldn't you think? We were just talking about stubbing your toe before this. Maybe, maybe, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to uh, slam the king's secret seal against a piece of furniture. Flatten it. I was thinking it would be hidden in your shoe, yeah. but not if you're wearing sandals oh, right. all the time. Oh, but also, no, a toe ring wouldn't work because in the earring, the seal is pointed down and it just looks like a random rock, so you can't see the bottom of, like, the cylinder. But the toe, people would be able to see it was a seal. Maybe. Yeah, unless you could, like, flip over a bit of it. Or if it was one of those, like, poison rings that open up. Ooh. Okay, for book seven. When we come back for the 30-second sequel, there will be a toe ring. When we when we are in charge of the television adaptation, <laughs> there will be a toe ring. It will be very significant. I love the idea of coastal cities that are intentionally difficult to navigate to deter pirates. Is that real? Can't steal stuff if you can't find it. And Kamet, at this point, still thinks Atollus is either just going to kill him when he realizes News Rush is dead, or if not, the Empire is going to send people to kill him, or bounty hunters independent of the Empire are going to kill him. So, no good options. Very gloomy time. <laughs> and he's hoping that he can he can escape and he can get some kind of job working someone's ledgers in some distant city, which does make me curious about all of the places in this world that we haven't seen. This is definitely a book where we get the biggest sense of the wider world. Yeah, it's certainly the longest road trip, by far. Mm -hmm. I feel really bad for these sailors who get their ship commandeered by this quest. <laughs> but they'll get paid for it. But yeah, I do feel bad for them right after the war galleys show up. Yeah, if they think they've been duped. Like, uh, we did not sign up for this. But let's hope they get paid. Anyway. What if, what if you were like an Amazon delivery driver and somebody showed up and was like, I need you to drive me to Ontario right now. I'm the Pope's brother and I need to get there. I'm the Pope's brother. <laughs> and then the Pope arrests you. <laughs> Canada, that famous jurisdiction of the Pope. <laughs> Another thing about Kamet here is that he's become really confident about passing as a free man. He's just taking it in stride as part of his plans. He says he knows he can pull it off if he just shows a little bit more confidence. Yeah. I feel like we just said this like two episodes ago, but I've changed my mind and I feel like this is the chapter where we also really see Kamet's feelings on Costas change. Like, two chapters ago, it was, they were closer, and then the next chapter, he went right back to denial, and, like, we'll <laughs> see if he lives. But now, it's, he narrates, I wanted to die. I would have thrown myself overboard into the sea if I thought it would have kept the Aetolian from ever knowing that I had betrayed him. And I prayed to Prokip, God of Justice, that punishment for my deceit would fall on my shoulders, not his. Mm. And he still thinks he has to leave Costas, but... He acknowledges to himself that he's sad about it now, that he would rather not. Yeah. And he says, I couldn't bear to look the Aetolian in the face. I couldn't risk him reading my thoughts. And Costas has the ship wave a, a pennant, which has a, a representation of Hamiethi's gift on it. 
And Kemet does not know what Hamiethi's gift is. <laughs> and neither would a reader who uh, picked this book up independently. And he, he doesn't ask. It's like, I didn't know what that was, and I did not care. I'm getting out of here. Also, the fact that Kemet doesn't know what Hamiethi's gift is shows how ignorant he really is about the little peninsula's society. Like, that's not only a really important piece of mythology for them, but it has very recently been extremely <laughs> historically important. <laughs> that's true. I hadn't thought of that. And I don't think that Edis is... Is Edis mentioned at all in this book? Not even once. Not even if once. If I remember correctly. So Edis isn't even really on Kamet's radar. I don't think Sunus is mentioned either. Yeah, it's all Atolia. Which is a, a sign of, of things to come. Of the way things are trending in terms of the power over there. I feel like the Mead Empire has always been making overtures specifically to Atolia. Significantly more than to the other two countries. Because mm -hmm. I think Atolia, it has um. There was a plague, and its population still has not recovered. That is a detail from right. the thief. Mm -hmm. However, I think it is the most powerful, maybe the physically largest. And closest, anyway, and too. And closest. We don't even find out until Return of the Thief if Edis, the country, has its own meat ambassador or not. Yeah. I love how annoyed Kamet gets in this chapter, how incredibly inconvenient it is, how much Costas cares about him. Because Kamet is trying to get away from him because he doesn't want Costas <laughs> to figure out what he's so worried about. And so he says, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sick. I'm boat sick. I'm going to go down to the cabin. And then it's like, oh, Costas insists on coming to sit with me. <laughs> I have to pretend to be asleep. He's too good a friend. Make him stop. I hate this. So why? This is something I never really got. Probably already asked you this before, but why is Kamet so stuck on the idea that the king is going to kill him when he finds out? Like, I think he, I think he narrates in here. He says, uh, I could not accompany him to Otolia no matter what. I'd made a fool of a ruler so petty he'd stolen another man's slave for spite, so profligate he'd waste the profits of a six-month trading trip to have what he wanted. He wasn't going to free me and might well kill me for it. So is he thinking that Jen would kill him or wouldn't free him because he's just, like, a crazy ruler? Kamen is not useful in that scenario, as far as Kamen knows. If he's just mm. been quote-unquote stolen to piss off Nehusaresh, and Nehusaresh is dead, that means that the king of Atolia just went through all that trouble for nothing and brought a bunch oh. of risk on his own head because if the Mead uh, authorities are now coming to try and find this person, and so he thinks that, yeah, I'll just get offed or, or tossed out. I also love how, um, oh, where is it? We neared the capital as the sun was setting, and I returned to the deck to face the future. Everything was shining in the sun's dying rays, the headlands, the temples, the ordinary buildings of what I knew for a fact was a rather dingy city. He comes to this beautiful horizon, <laughs> he sees the city looking beautiful, and goes, okay, but I know that it sucks. <laughs> I know it looks like it's gorgeous right now, but I promise you, 
I can't afford to raise my spirits at all. <laughs> no beautiful sunsets. No beautiful sunsets. No admitting I was wrong. chapter 11 next time some long-awaited gen content send us your comments questions thoughts chime in at atolianarchives.tumblr.com bless it in your endeavors This has been an Amateur Embroidery production. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, anywhere podcasts are available. Thank you.